faith, and today I want to uh, talk about a subject that's very near and dear to my heart right now, and that is about prayer and healing. And so for some of you, um, some of you need healing, and there may be a variety of different areas in which you need it, and certainly the Bible addresses it. So if you are a guest with us for the first time, I want to welcome you, first of all, and uh, thank you that you're here. If you'll take out your bulletin, there is a connection card. You can fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving us and drop that in the uh, basket on your way out this morning. There's a gift for you. Uh, there is, there's no outline, so but pull out the, the blank lines. I do have an outline. It will come on the screen. Um, basically, I'm building this message around five words. Five words that I think will help us uh, to, to understand the um, importance, the importance of prayer. Now, in James chapter 5, as we studied last week, he talked about patience in suffering. And certainly when you are waiting on God and you're seeking an encounter with God, you want to be listening to God, right? You, you, want, to, you want to be hearing what the Spirit has to say to your spirit. You want to seek after God. You want to seek him in his word. As you meditate upon the word of God, you are, you are meditating upon the very heart and the, and the life of God himself. And we want to incorporate prayer, and prayer is very essential in our lives. Uh, as Christians, uh, we love to talk about prayer. Uh, we do. We love to talk about it. Uh, but it's one of the things we don't do much of. Uh, it is uh, estimated by all um, reports that the average Christian spends about three to five minutes a day in prayer. Now, if you were to exclude mealtime prayers, that kind of reduces the number a little bit, even further than that. And uh, most, it's, it's the one area that I've discovered that people struggle with the most to maintain any kind of consistency in their life. It's the one thing that we just seem to, you know, just really struggle with. And and this isn't just a few people. This is a lot of people. We, and I think there are several reasons for that, one of which is I don't know that we really understand um, what prayer does, uh, how, um, how much authority you have uh, in prayer over the things of this earth that God has given to you. We're going to talk about that. But the second thing is um, most people say to me, listen, Pastor, been there, done that, didn't work, okay? Didn't work for me. I prayed, I asked God, and it did not turn out the way that I wanted it. And so one of the reasons why we struggle with prayer is because we have a great misconception about what prayer is about. So I'm going to try to set up um, a context before we dive into the passages of James, because again, James is really kind of like the running commentary of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about prayer. And he gave the model prayer when the disciples asked him, hey, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all the things they could ask Jesus to teach them, that's the one thing they wanted taught. And so Jesus gave them this model prayer that really sets the context for what James has to say in these verses. But, but from the outset, I want, to, uh, I want you to think of prayer in terms of this. When you are praying, 
When you are praying, you are inviting the power and the presence of God to manifest himself in your life, all right? This is really what prayer is about. In other words, prayer, prayer is what releases the supernatural power of God from heaven to the earth. This is what we discover in the prayer that Jesus gave to us as a model, right? So think about this. In the model prayer, there are two basic concepts that Jesus wanted to get across about prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Number one is that prayer is about worship. Prayer is about intimacy. Prayer is about praise. It is about um, developing intimacy with the Father, having the Father just, just, you're like crawling up in the Father's lap as Jesus used the term Father's daddy. You're just crawling up into the Father's lap and you are, um, you're just expressing yourself to the Lord and you're just, you're just laying it all out there as you would if in, in the most endearing time in your life if you've ever had the opportunity to crawl up into your Father's lap and just like pour out your heart to them. And uh, someone said that, well, but when I do that, um, I just fall asleep. And so you need to understand that as a father, those of you who are fathers, those of you who are grandparents, if your grandchild or your child crawls up in your lap and they're speaking and they fall asleep, you never chastise them for that, do you? And neither does God with you. God... God desires, longs for this intimate relationship. The second thing that he says, Jesus says in this model prayer, because everything builds off these two concepts, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we move the will of God, the power of God from heaven down to the earth? And Jesus says it is through prayer that we, we do that. You need to keep in mind that as disciples, as disciples, we are citizens of another kingdom. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are God's representatives here on earth. And so God has enabled us to come into this world, this, this world in which you and I live in right now, here on planet earth, this is not our home. This is our assignment and our assignment is that we have the capability of being used of God to bring the resources of heaven, of God, to bear upon the earth and the objects of God's concern. You have that authority. You have that power if you understand what it is, how to leverage it, and how God wants to utilize it in your life and through your life. The only restrictions that we have are the ones that we place upon ourselves. The more that we live as citizens in heaven, the more heaven's activities begin to infect our lifestyle. And worship is our number one priority in, in, in ministry. Everything else we do is affected by this devotion, this call to worship. God inhabits the praises of his people. He responds with a literal invasion of heaven to earth. When you come in here on Sunday mornings, 
Listen, it's not just about gathering here. It's not just about singing songs. We are asking, we are inviting, we are desiring for the manifestation of God's power to come into our presence. And when God shows up through the power and the person of his Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of the worshipers, even if a person is an unbelieving individual who walks into this auditorium, they will experience the manifestation of God himself through an encounter with God because they are in the presence of God's people worshiping. That's what prayer should be about. It's about worship. And God responds to the praises of his people. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah 42, 13, the Lord will march out like a mighty man, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Did you catch that? When God's people worship, God shows up. And when God shows up, things change. Things happen. Lives get dramatically transformed. The other primary focus Jesus gave us is that whatever exists in heaven can be loosed here upon earth. Jesus described it this way to the church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of God. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. And what Jesus was saying in essence to us as the church, he is saying that, look, whatever is acceptable in heaven... God wants to bring down to earth. And whatever is not acceptable in heaven, God wants to bind it on the earth. God wants to change it. He wants to make it different. He wants to bring heaven to earth. He wants us to experience an encounter with him as he moves among his people. And as he works through us to bring encounters of God into the lives of others. That's God's desire for you. To you have encountered you. And so he, the phrase he says, Jesus will be. The implication is that we can only bind or loose here what has already been bound or loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven is our model. Now watch this. Get this in your mind. Jesus gave us the rest of the model prayer. All right? So whatever is in heaven that is loosed, God wants to bring it down to earth and let it loose. Right? So Jesus taught us what? Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because there is, there is complete and there is perfect um, provision in heaven, is there not? Right? There, there's nothing in heaven that's lacking. Guess what God wants to do? He wants to bring that non-lacking provision down to the earth. That's why Paul said it this way, my God shall supply all of my needs according to my, the riches that is found in Christ Jesus. So if you have a need in your life, guess what God's will is? His will is to meet that need. His will is to unloose that which is in heaven down to the earth in order to meet your need. Now don't confuse need with wants, okay? I, right? Well, what else Jesus tells? And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debt, is there any unforgiveness in heaven? Not a chance. And so what God has done is heaven provides the model for our relationships here on earth. 
That's why the Bible says you do not have to live with an unforgiving spirit, that we are to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. Jesus brought the forgiveness of God from the heavenlies down to the earthly realm into our lives so that we experience the forgiveness of Christ that enables me to now forgive you. Lead us not into temptation. Any temptation going on in heaven? No. We face temptation here on earth? Absolutely. What does God want to release? He wants to release whatever it is for, that you need in order to withstand that temptation. Is that not what the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. But God, who is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond with your, what you are able but he will provide a way of escape. So prayer is me bringing from heaven that which is loosed down to earth in our lives, right? So deliver us from the evil one. Is there any uh, spiritual warfare going on in heaven? Nope. And so what has God given us? God has given us the armor of God. The armor, he's equipped us to withstand and to, and to do battle in the spiritual realm against our enemy, and then he allows his presence and his power to move from heaven to earth. And so Jesus says, for yours is what? The kingdom and the power forever and ever. My point is simply this. When, when heaven moves and unleashes itself upon earth, things happen. When God unleashes his kingdom, he confronts sin, forgiveness is given, and change comes where our nature had only known sin. When his rule collides with disease, he can bring healing. When it runs into the demonized, they are set free. The kingdom's message is the salvation of man, body, soul, and spirit. It's not just the forgiveness of our sins. It is absolute, total freedom as we, as we experience the manifestation of God in our lives as we bring those resources, every spiritual blessing in Christ from heaven to bear on our lives here on earth. That's what prayer is about. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking him to superimpose the rules, the order, the benefits of his world over this one until it begins to look like his. Now, I'm not, this is not about heaven on earth. Earth will never be heaven, all right? There's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be battles. There's always going to be struggles. But I'm simply saying that you can leverage, you can have brought into your life the various blessings that Christ has secured for you here. And so God brings order where there is chaos. When the sick are healed, where the demonized are set free, his world collides with the world of darkness, and his world always, always wins. You go into a room and turn on a light switch, darkness cannot resist the light. It must flee. God has chosen to work through us. So when there is a battle between dominions, the conflict of kingdoms, between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, if you will leverage the kingdom of light, that light will dispel the darkness. And when God has chosen to work through us, we are his delegated authority here on planet earth. And prayer is the vehicle that gives us the occasion for this invasion from heaven to earth. God didn't give you prayer just to waste your time, all right? 
He wants to manifest heaven in this world. And so today we're going to talk about how do you release, how do you release this through prayer? We pray until there's a breakthrough. And we exercise the authority given to us to execute his will upon the circumstances at hand. This is what James is talking about to us. And so in James chapter 5, here's what he says. The backdrop, right? You're a kingdom citizen. You're an ambassador of Christ. You are a delegated authority of Christ. You are a representative of his kingdom. You've been given the assignment of planted earth. We are to represent his kingdom here on earth. And God wants to manifest his kingdom, the heavenlies here upon earth. And so when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God is near, in fact, it is at hand. It is in the present tense. It is that the kingdom of God wants to move and to have the rule and the reign in the hearts and the lives of his people. And so one of the ways that he does that is by releasing his power from heaven here on earth. Keeping that in mind, he says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Who's going to raise him up? All right, the Lord, right? You have no power to heal anyone. Jesus does, right? You're just his representative. You're just his channel. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, there are um, five words I want you to write down. You can put it on your your lines. They all start with P. Uh, These words are going to kind of formulate the outline of what I want to help us understand. How do we, how do we tap into this power source of the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit release what God wants to do, his will upon earth, through us in our prayer lives? Well, just write the word prayer, prayer, purity, power. Prayer, purity, power, provision, and purpose. Prayer, purity, power, provision, and purpose. Now, I I know this is like, okay, I've given you five words, and don't think of it just in terms of, oh, it's just like step one, two, three, four, five. These all kind of interchange with each other, but I just wanted to help you grasp uh, what these verses say in James. And so now notice he says, if any one of you is in trouble... That word trouble, some of you may, translation may say suffering. It is a word that can lead to, to refer to all kinds of difficulties, suffer, pain, trials uh, in your life. Obviously, James, to whom he is, the the audience to whom he is writing, they're suffering persecution. They're they're going through severe trials in their lives. They're encountering all kinds of things uh, that is testing their faith. What does he say? Who's going to pray? He, that is the person, should pray, right? If anyone's happy, let him sing songs of praise. And one of the good reasons you need to sing songs of praise, at least for me, okay, this just works for me, is if I am in a trial, and it is bad, if I sing songs of praise, after I hear myself singing, the trial doesn't seem so bad anymore, right? 
because the singing's so bad, right? So you'll get it in a minute. Let the, if any one of you is sick, call the elders of the church. Have them come, pray over it, anoint him in the name of the Lord. A prayer offered in faith. And this is, the, this is the big tripping point is that, well, what is a prayer offered in faith? What does that look like? How, am I able to pray that kind of prayer? Bottom line is this. I believe there are four kinds of healing that God brings into a person's life. So whether you're in a trial <clears throat> or maybe it's a, 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 a valley, maybe it's you're physically sick, there's all kinds of different sicknesses other than just physical illness. But I want to kind of list it out like this. There are four types of healing, spiritual healing. Obviously, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual healing that takes place, right? By his stripes we are healed. We are forgiven of our sins. The slate is wiped clean. We, we are now new creations in Christ. We, we are in a new standing with, with God. We are children of the Father. Right, so there's a spiritual healing that takes place, but salvation does not stop with that, although sometimes we try to stop it right there. Sometimes it's, you need healing because you have a distrust of God. You've been disappointed with God. Some of you are so angry with God right now, you can't even see straight. I understand. There's a spiritual issue. The second type is obviously physical healing. There are many people who, who need physical healing. But let me just say this out the gate. Just because you need physical healing doesn't mean that the source of that physical problem is physical. You see, James talked about confessing our sins to one another so that we might be what? Healed? Show me a person who's harboring a heart of bitterness and anger and resentment over the course of their life. I'll show you a person who is going to have physical manifestations of that bitterness within them. The Hebrew writer said to us, do not let one ounce of bitterness spring within you, not a root of bitterness, because it defiles many. You cannot contain the physical just to the physical and separate out your soul and the spirit. They're all oh so intertwined. I can guarantee you that it might be somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I want you to pray for this physical need that I have. That's fine and well. But if the source of that physical problem is a spiritual issue, we've got to go there first. Why would God want to heal the physical and leave the spiritual issue intact? No, he's given you the physical manifestation of illness because he's trying to drive you back to where it is that it all began and why it's there. And sometimes God has to heal us emotionally. Sometimes he has to heal us internally before he can heal us physically. There is emotional healing. Life experiences leave us with deep wounds. In fact, those issues unaddressed give birth to false beliefs that lead to false thinking, that leads to emotional upheaval and behaviors that are utterly destructive. You may feel loneliness that suffocates, fear that's driving you into hiding. You might experience deep emotional pain from wounds that you will not speak to anyone about. You have locked them into your spirit and they are as destructive as destructive can be. But God wants to bring you healing in that area of your life. There are demonic issues. Why do we discount that? 
Satan dealt with it all the time. And Jesus dealt with Satan all the time. So did the early church. Why do we think we are exempt? We're not. Satan builds strongholds into your life. He builds fortresses into your life. You can open up a doorway in your life that gives him access to you. As Paul said in Ephesians 4 about anger, do not give the devil a foothold. Or Jesus dealt with in Matthew 18 concerning unforgiveness. Listen, you're opening up the door wide open for the evil one to come in and to have his will and his way in your life. And so Physical manifestations driven by spiritual, emotional, and demonic causes, sometimes we have to allow the Spirit to take us there before you can experience your physical healing. So I'm just trying to get you to see that it's just not a matter of, well, you know, if, if I need a physical healing, then, then there's no, no other issue. There is maybe another issue. Like when the four guys brought their paralytic friend to Jesus, remember? Jesus healed him of his his paralysis, but he also forgave him of sin. So what James says here, right? Pray for each other. Forgive, confess your sins of each other. Pray for each other that you might be healed. And God, when he, when he, when he, before that, he says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And so who do we call? He says we call the, the elders of the church. Now the word elders there can... It really refers to a spiritually mature person, a person who is, is probably um, familiar with and, and praying these kinds of prayers. See, one of the reasons why we don't pray for people's healing, one of the reasons we are unable to help them to, un, to, to uh, allow the Spirit to come and to bring that deep healing in those deep emotional wounds is because we just don't know how. We're not sure what to do. And so what, we, what do we do? Typically as a Baptist, we gather them together and we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray. And, and in our minds, we're thinking, you know, I've got to come up with an alternative plan if this doesn't work uh, before I start praying. And then we just like, okay, I, I've got the bailout tagline, the bailout tagline, if it be God's will. Is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there, is, there, is there emotional pain in heaven? No. All the things that God wants to bring from heaven to earth in order to bring about our healing and our freedom is available to us if we will seek him out. But it takes prayer. And God uses you in a mighty way. That's why prayer is so powerful. It's so dramatic. It's not just, now I lay me down to sleep. It is about leveraging the power of the Spirit of God upon. Listen, Jesus says, if two of you or more will come together in agreement, agreement means symphony. It means a harmony. It means it produces synergy, and that synergy produces exponential results. That's why Satan does everything to keep the church divided. That's why he tries to keep marriages divided, so that we give up the synergy of the Spirit's power operating through our lives. God wants us to pray. And then the word purity he says it's the, prayer, it's the prayer of a righteous man that is powerful and effective. People say, well, I can't pray like that. Yes, you can. You want to know why? Because God's made you righteous. Righteous. 
in Christ. Look on this, uh, throw up this text. Listen, Hebrews 4.16. Let us approach, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why would you have confidence? Why am I approaching the throne of grace with confidence? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I come confidently because I'm coming to the mercy seat of God. In the Old Testament, the mercy seat represented God's presence. It's where the blood was was laid upon the mercy seat, where God's grace was given to the people of Israel. Jesus, our high priest, entered into the Holy of Holies. He shed his blood. He absorbed the wrath of God as he shed his blood upon the mercy seat of God. And so now, through the new covenant relationship with Christ, the Bible says that I have been enveloped with the righteousness of Christ and he with me. And so when I stand before God, I stand confidently, not ashamed, not filled with guilt, not filled with condemnation, because I'm confident that I'm righteous in Christ because of what Jesus has done. And if there is any ounce of guilt or shame or self-condemnation, the nation in my life. I know that if I confess that to the Father, he is faithful and righteous to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I come into the throne room with confidence. If I do not come with confidence, then I will not pray very bold prayers. But I'm confident I pray boldly and I pray expectantly. It's like Elijah, the example of Elijah who was on the Mount Carmel. He's he's taking on the prophets of Baal. And when he prayed, he he prayed with confidence. He prayed with expectancy that God would rain fire from heaven down and consume his sacrifice on the altar. And God says, this is is who we are. Sometimes we view the throne of God as being a God of of judgment and anger. And he just wants to delve out wrath upon us. No, no, no. Jesus changed it from a throne of judgment to a throne of grace where we obtain mercy. It's to lay claim of something that is greater than our sin. And we come now, we, we saints of God, listen, this is not a, praying for people's healing, praying for, this is not something like, okay, God's got his, you know, team over here and only they can pray for that. The rest of you forget it. We got the team over here. Some of you have recently discovered that. You've recently discovered that God can use you to bring hope and healing back into people's lives because of prayer. Because here's what prayer does. Here's the P word, power. You release the authority and the anointing of the Spirit of God. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 16, God has given us the keys to the kingdom, which speaks of authority, privilege, access, keys, plural. Why? Because... The kingdom of hell, the gates of hell are plural, and everything that Satan throws at us, we have a key that is leveraged towards that, that which Satan is bringing against us. Now, let me, um, let me read for you if you want Acts 10, 38, because let me talk about the anointing of the Spirit here for a minute. Here's what the Bible says of Jesus Acts chapter 10 and verse uh, 38. How God, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What does James say? Take the oil, anoint him. 
You see, the anointing, the anointing ministry causes the collision of two worlds, the world of darkness and the world of light, right? When the kingdom of God comes on someone, the powers of darkness are forced to leave. The Holy, watch, the Holy Spirit has no battle wounds. What God is asking us to do, the anointing, the oil in the New Testament represented the Holy Spirit of God. When we, when we as a prayer team, our healing prayer ministry, when, the, when somebody comes to us, one of the first things we do is we anoint them with oil. We want them to know that we are coming with the authority of God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're asking the Spirit of God to release his power in their life. That the Spirit of God, if it's an emotional problem that maybe started all the way back in childhood, that the Holy Spirit would take you back to that point of pain where that false belief system was built in your mind that has led to your behavior that has led to the woundedness in your life. Because when, when the Spirit brings it to light, the lie has to fall in in the presence of the light and God, we watched God just bring healing in people's lives of things that they've carried around and they've harbored for years. And it's amazing when God begins to start dealing with our, the emotional side of our lives and the spiritual side of our lives and, and these issues in our lives that we've carried around. You're only as sick as your secrets, my friend. That's why we confess it. We just allow confession to happen and, and people start confessing and pouring out their heart and their life to the Lord and the Spirit of God just starts bringing the resource of heaven down into their lives and begins bringing healing and restoration and newness in their life. It's amazing to watch. It's an amazing thing. You know, in the book of Acts, when Peter... At one point when he walked around, when his shadow fell on people, they were automatically healed. People start carrying, as you would, they start carrying a bed out in the street. Yeah, let's, let's have Peter walk by. Let's let the shadow fall over them. It wasn't Peter's shadow that brought healing. There's no substance to a shadow. Peter was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and it's his presence that brings the miracles. I'm simply saying this, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, as his representative, you have that same Holy Spirit indwelling you. You have that same anointing of the Spirit on your life. You can do exactly what Jesus did, and that's what James is trying to get us to see. But the church has all too often lived according to an intellectual approach to Scripture that is void the Holy Spirit's influence. We have programs and insti you know, institutions that in no way require the Spirit of God for its survival. And focus is not on the presence of God, but just simply on what we can do best for Him. I want to change that here. I want to see that changed. I'm taking the lead here. I'm taking responsibility. I believe that God can use this church and we can see the signs and the wonders of God. 
I'm not talking about naming and claiming it. I'm not talking about moving outside the parameters of Scripture. I'm just simply talking about unleashing what God has available for us and to use through us. That's what I'm talking about. To fulfill his mission. To finish the work that the Father has sent us to do. And the spirits of hell will always war against the anointing, for without the anointing, Mankind is no threat to their dominion. Let's not reduce the gospel to a mere intellectual encounter with God. Billy Graham said this recently, 95% of today's church's activities would continue if the Holy Spirit were removed from us. In the early church, 95% of all of her activities would have stopped had the Holy Spirit been removed. Is that not an indictment? You can pray very powerful prayers. And the provision is God brings the healing. He brings the restoration. He brings from heaven what is needed down on earth. And it fulfills his will. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for God to do that, you and I are the channels by which that takes place. One of our members of our church was in a uh, park locally and she was just there praying and somebody came by, a man came by and they got to talking. She says, could I pray for you? And he said, sure. And so she prayed. And after she got done praying, he said, where do you go to church? She said, well, I, I go to First Baptist Groveport. Oh, you're a Baptist? Yeah. Well, I used to be a Baptist. You don't pray like a Baptist. <laughs> How indicting is that? So here is what I want to close with as kind of our challenge as we... Again, we looked at the example of Elijah. Look, Elijah was just like us, man. He, at sometimes he could pray very powerful prayers. At other times he was on the run from Jezebel, right? He wanted to die. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm depressed. And, and the picture, though, is, is that when heaven invades the earth and rain is poured down, this is the example that James gives us here, it illustrates God's outpouring of his spiritual blessings on dry and parched souls. Man, when the Spirit opens up the world to us and we pray the prayer of faith. So what is the prayer of faith? So let me close with that. Your prayers will never do anything other than release the power of God for God's purposes. The prayer of faith is... Um, it's not knowing how God may do it or when God's going to do it. It's not putting God in a box and saying, God, I've got, the, I, I've got my prayer here and uh, I've got it all worked out how you're supposed to work it all out and so I'm going to pray this in faith and I just know if I have enough faith, God, you're going to do it in my way. The prayer of faith is releasing God to do what God wants to do, how God wants to do it, when God wants to do it, whatever God wants to do. I'm just trusting him. 
That if I, if I come, and, and this is what God does. So it, when God wants to bring hope or healing in somebody's life, God burdens somebody. Why? Because he wants you to stand in the gap as the intercessor. Look, God was going to bring rain on earth or stop the rain on earth, whether he had Elijah or not. If he didn't have Elijah, he's going to find somebody else to stand in the gap. It's the same way with us. If we will move and walk in the spirit, allowing the spirit to guide and direct us to open our eyes and our ears to his voice, and it may be that somebody's in a park, it might be somebody in a parking lot that God says, you know what, that person needs prayer. Why don't you go over and pray for them? But I can't do that. I'm scared. Stop it. What are you afraid of? Who do you think sending you that fear? It's not God. Fear's not in heaven. You just act on the Holy Spirit. You just put it. Look, if it's not if it's not something unethical, immoral, or unbiblical, count on it. It's the Spirit speaking to you. Why would Satan want to send you over there to pray for somebody? And you, you, God can use you to be the person that releases his power, his will from heaven upon earth in that person's life. And you just never know what God's going to do. And so you just trust. Faith is knowing that God will bring his will into being. Faith has only one focus, and that focus is God himself. So let's pray. My challenge to us as a church is threefold. That we pray for each other this way. All right? You see somebody in the hallway, God leads you to go over and, and say, hey, I, I don't know, but God's just led me. I just feel like I need to pray for you. How could I pray for you? That we ought to be stopping in our hallways and praying for each other. Don't say, well, you know, when I get home, I'll get to that. No, just do it right here. Let's do it in this place. So that people can see and people will know that we are a church that believes in prayer and we believe that God responds to our prayers. And then James concluded this with those who are straying, those who are falling out of the faith. There is a very distinct progression that people go through. There's like a spiritual insensitivity and a, and a dullness, and, and it begins to progress onward where, you know, they're just not taking care of themselves spiritually anymore, like, like not taking care of my yard and weeds come up, and I just become insensitive to the Spirit of God and things of God. And then I get to a point in where, you know, there's just like a, a root of rebellion that begins to spring up, and I don't even want to be around the people of God. What would happen? But what would happen? Because all of us in this church know members of this church who are in that condition if we decided, you know what, I'm going to start praying for those individuals and I'm just going to send them a text once in a while and say, you know what, I miss you in church. I love you. I've been praying for you. I hope God blesses your life. What would happen? What would happen? I think we would see some God do some things. And then lastly, I want to challenge you to to speak God's truth. That is to declare that for us, 2018 is going to be the year of the Lord's favor because we're going to spend an entire, well, most of the year, just talking about the Holy Spirit and his activity. He is the part of the Trinity that is most active in your life but you know the least about. For whatever reason, we became scared of him. Why? Because the enemy has duped us. We're going to change that. We're going to stand strong in the presence of the Lord. 
that we're going to fight for what is rightfully ours. Just as Joshua took the nation of Israel into the promised land, they had to fight for it. But God said, I've given it to you. But they had to fight for it. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to fight for the lives of people. God has impressed upon my heart so firmly about some things that we need to do in our church this year um, with our men and some other areas. Um, but God's, you know, for me, the whole thrust of my, my life and ministry from this day forward is about helping people find forgiveness and freedom through faith in Christ. And the way that you find freedom, my friend, is when God invades you with an encounter that forever changes you. Let's bow our heads together.